Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. With the fifth pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Jalen Ramsey, defensive back, Florida State. There it is! There it is! Yeah, I said all along that if Jalen was available, I believe that Jacksonville would get him. Of course, the knuckleheads who actually ran this organization uh, told us all that they would consider playing Jalen Ramsey. At free safety, but, you know, that's par for the course. Um, when is the last time with anyone not named Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, or perhaps playoff Lenny, where you didn't have a defensive guy go, where all of a sudden there was, ding, where the hell are you going to play these guys? <laughs> you know, you got a 10-cent head like Taven Bryan, you got a guy like Caleb on Chase on, who looks great coming off the ball, but he's too small to do this. He's not strong enough to do that, right? And obviously, this past year, what's going on with Trayvon Walker? What's going on with Devin Lloyd? So draft him, draft him, draft him, and not know where you're going to play him. Hey, that's the way things have gone. The Jalen Ramsey situation, really surprised at the amount of traction <clears throat> that this has picked up. So I figured for... Really once, uh, I haven't hardly ever done this before in my life. I, I, I kind of bounced back into what became such a, a popular uh, topic one night ago. And I've also learned a little something today. And I, I, I think that, I don't want to use the word victim, but there used to be, and the victim here would be me, okay? My, my name is Rick Ballou, by the way. It's great to have you with us, 6-8, to eight, along with the incomparable J.J. LaSalva. Uh, there used to be a time when things that I would say would go on message boards, and it was always in Tallahassee, even when I was here. And to get back to me, I'd be like, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. So I, I, it finally got to me. I said, the, the best thing you can do is just not read them, because why get upset about things that it is uh, that you either did say or that you did not say. But as you know, for those who regularly listen to this program, I am incredibly interactive with the listeners. And our text line at 641-1010 brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. I dive in and out with you folks each and every night, try to respond to about all of you. In the case of last night, we probably had 500 of them. That's going to be impossible for me. But for those who listen, their comments are based on what I said and what you believe. Twitter is a totally different animal where you put up a couple of seconds of a clip. Granted, it was the meats and bones uh, or the meat and bones of, 
of what it is that I wanted to say, but the people who respond, for the most part, are not people who listened to what I am doing, yet they seem to form kind of the, um, more of the immediacy, you know, it's, it's not really long-winded like here on the text line, it's more of to the point, uh, for the most part, individuals either taking shots at me or, believe it or not, supporting the return of Jalen Ramsey. So I found it very interesting. And, you know, as far as calling me an idiot, you know, and I, I referred to those who wouldn't want Jalen back here as as idiots. I It was kind of, for me, a, a term of, of endearment. Um, it was a stereotype. It was uh, some emotion. I mean, if you took that personally... I don't know what to tell you, okay? I mean, for crying out loud, we're all grown-ups here. At least I would think that uh, that is the case. But So that part's fine. But what I struggle with is people are trying to remind me, hey, Baloo, you know he faked a back injury. Hey, Baloo, you know his teammates hated him. Hey, Baloo, um, you know he forced himself out of town. And I'm like, I've talked about this ad nauseum. I've talked about this day after day when it happened. I witnessed it. I saw what he did in Denver during the four-hour holdover when the plane wasn't able to uh, work on its return to Jacksonville after a game there against the Broncos where he asked out. I watched the final game he ever played. I followed him and the defensive backs in the tunnel with Tom Coughlin right over my shoulder. And the huddle that Jalen Ramsey had before that position group ran out onto the field, okay? The, um, the, uh, the filth that came out of his mouth firing up his other defensive backs uh, for what he said, if in fact this is the last time, going on out there. And, and I have crushed him, openly crushed Jalen Ramsey. He quit on everyone. But here's the point, once again, that I am going to make, and here's the point, once again, that I am going to live by. You've got to learn to separate your personal feelings from what is best for winning with this football team. Now, this was almost a foolish pipe dream. I didn't go through his contract. I didn't bring up draft picks. I never even said go out and get him. My exact words were, if there was ever an opportunity to get Jalen Ramsey and anyone in this town didn't want him, then you are, you know what I said. And I stand by that, okay? There isn't one defensive player left on this team who was with Jalen Ramsey. Okay, Dewan Smoot, that's it. All the coaches are gone. He showed no respect for Perry Fuels. Been in this league for more than 30 years. I mean, an outstanding defensive back coach. I can give you stories about the way that he acted, him and Aaron Colvin in particular, you know, two type A's who didn't want to take any type of constructive criticism or, frankly, any teaching. And, and, and again, I, I can see where that gives you plenty of material to say, see, Baloo, you, you're, you're proving your point. He's not a good team football player. Uh, yeah, but it was nothing compared to others. It was nothing compared to Unique Ngakwe and what he did on the sideline. It was nothing compared to Dante Fowler, what he did on the sideline. It was nothing like the ultimate turd 
Jared Audrick, and he did on the sideline. Those things were aggravation about playing time, aggravation about getting held, aggravation about who knows what. Jalen's bit was always pretty simple. The man wants to win. And he's going to fire up others if he believes they're not doing the job. Somehow, somewhere, that was um, misconstrued during his playing time here in Jacksonville. So, my point has always been this. And I honestly never would have dreamed about it until I saw it on Pro Football Focus. The weakest position group on this team right now, in my particular opinion, is the secondary. Okay, as great as the coaching was in 2022, they improved by 6.3 points defense and scoring. They went from nine turnovers or nine takeaways to 27 takeaways. They're still really bad against the pass, right? They were 27th in the NFL. And, you know, it took them way too long to move Darius Williams from the nickel to the outside. Tyson Campbell had a real good year. Rayshon Jenkins, perhaps a career year. We're going to go over that every single day. Do you re-sign him? Do you restructure him? Do you cut him? You know, do you go after uh, the kid that's going to be available? And I've, I've already seen that in a couple of different circles uh, coming out of, uh, who am I thinking here? Coming out of um, Cincinnati. Uh, the player that is going to be Higgins. Uh, no, nah, that's the wide receiver. I'm thinking of the safety as a bad. No, it's Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates, the uh, the safety out of Cincinnati. I mean, if you bring in Jesse Bates, you're cutting Rayshon Jenkins. Andre Cisco, a ton of hype, right? Made some big plays, but n- nowhere near perfect. And obviously, you need another corner. I don't think Trey Herndon comes back. Shaq Griffin is getting uh, let go. So it it really kind of began yesterday. It's kind of like an off the cuff, sure. If there was an opportunity to get him, you'd be a fool not to want him to come back here. And my point of all of this is you've got to learn to separate personal feelings for what's better for this team, okay? Jalen Ramsey, during the Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell, Doug Marone regime, was able to do whatever he wanted to do. Doug Marone was just lucky to be here. That was his attitude. There was either the power struggle or there was the lack of incompetence in the front office, including the great Tom Coughlin, who told everyone to live by the NFL rules, yet he was the guy who was cheating, right? I mean, Tom Coughlin got fired because he cheated. Tom Coughlin got fired because he grabbed the microphone and and, and told Jalen Ramsey to get his ass here during voluntary camp. Okay, you, you can't do that any day. The, the days of Vince Lombardi, the days of Mr. Hardass are gone. If you don't know how to coddle today's player, you've lost it, man. It's gone. Old school. So Tom Coughlin, he's going to retire his name up there one of these days. Phenomenal for this organization. I love the relationship we have to this day with the J Fund. He's the one. Who cut corners? He's the one who tried to force players to come in who were injured in work here when the CBA said, uh-uh, that's not the case. He's the one that got up and grabbed the podium and, you know, yelled at a reporter about fighting for a meal and got off on on, on Jalen. 
you can't do that. Uh, you got to be smarter. So my point is this. Number one, for anyone to say that Jalen Ramsey was a bad teammate, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Set aside to three weeks at the end. Make no bones about it. Jalen did everything in the world to get himself moved during those three weeks. But until he went into that office after the game in Houston with Chad Khan and Tony Khan and Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone, until he was dressed down by the bad cop, Dave Caldwell, Jalen was a good teammate. He didn't want to be a leader, but he was because he could play. The guys respected him. The guys followed him. He practiced hard. He was good to others. This isn't a Dante Fowler situation. This isn't Unique Ngakwe fighting teammates. I know he got into a scenario this past year in L.A., but I'm talking about the way it was here in 2019. So if you have it going through your head that Jalen Ramsey was a bad teammate, you are wrong. He was a great teammate outside of those three weeks when he asked out. Secondly, the Coughlin-Codwell regime is gone, long gone, all right? The same regime that, again, they thought that this guy might have been a free safety, okay? That, that was their knowledge of their draft pick. Doug Marone and his staff is gone. Every single player that he played with is gone. I can't tell you how many, oh, what is he going to do the locker room? When he walks in. Oh, what are his teammates going to say when he returns? There aren't any teammates left. Look at your 2017 defense. They're all, he left in 2019, and they're all gone. So I just want you to understand uh, the facts. This was never me saying, go make a deal for Jalen Ramsey, or I want this organization to make a deal. For Jalen Ramsey, it was an off-the-cuff, if he's available, they would be a fool not to bring him back. That's the comment. And it has taken on a life of its own. I, I actually appreciate the attention, okay? I'm needy of that every once in a while, so that's kind of cool. But the misrepresentation, uh, listen, I own it. But I also want to be able to separate what was said and what wasn't said. And, you know, there's the absurdity out there like, oh, Blue just wants him back because he's a Florida State guy. That, that is so beyond. Um, I mean, I, I actually I don't even know why I, I, I raise that to, to give you that type of, uh, uh, of clout or material. You, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, seriously. You have got to be kidding me if you think this is a Florida State thing. Every night I come in here and talk about the Jaguars, good or bad, and thankfully as of late, there's been a whole hell of a lot of good. If you think this is a Florida State thing, you're crazy. But the only part of all this that bothers me is, again, people trying to reach out and say, hey, Baloo, he faked an injury. Hey, Baloo, he told us he had a bad back. Hey, Baloo, he's a bad teammate. Hey, Baloo, he... Nuh-uh. No. I was there. I saw the whole thing with my own two eyes. I had more access than almost anyone as a sideline reporter during the Jalen Ramsey uh, years. 
Okay? I, I saw so much. And out of respect for the gig, I never ran it. I never mentioned it during my time. Um, nowadays, I don't know. If the opportunity presents itself and there's a story that I think that needs to be told, I'm probably going to come out and give it to you. I saw a lot. You know, I heard a lot. Um, that's just the way it is, okay? Uh, but with Jalen Ramsey, that's that. You, you, you've, you've got, I mean, what if what did Fournette wanted to come back? He's gone. He's done. But what if you could get him for a million bucks for crying out loud as a short as, as a short yardage back? There's a bad teammate, okay? Leonard Fournette was a bad teammate. You walk into the locker room after the Jaguars got blown out, you'd see Fournette with a smile on his face. You didn't know if Jacksonville won 31-3 or they lost 31-3. You know what Jalen Ramsey was doing? He was pissed that they lost because he cared. Uh, this isn't Yannick Ngakwe. This isn't Dante Fowler. This isn't a cast of bad apples that have been here. Jalen went off after that situation in Houston, and for the next 21 days, he did whatever it took to get himself out of here. All right, there you have it. You want to respond? Absolutely. 641-1010. You can also get us on Twitter. Baloo1010XL. Never thought ever of bringing back Jalen Ramsey. It, it, it never even crossed my mind. I saw it on Pro Football Focus, and then all of a sudden it was like, well, wait a minute here. He just tweeted out recently that he missed Jacksonville. Doug Peterson has respect. Doug Peterson, in my opinion, is going to be able to control that locker room, control that atmosphere. He did it during a five-game losing streak this year. He got him to continuously play hard. All right, How many people out there, including myself, had all of these guys going, players and coaches, after the Detroit uh, game? And we were wrong. Again, I'll raise my hand. I was totally wrong. The other side of all this, the reason why I brought it up, was, was the only one who cares are the fans. The players don't care. The coaches don't care. Maybe Sean Khan, maybe Tony Khan, maybe, maybe there's an issue there. Even with Unique Ngakwe, when Tony Khan fought Unique Ngakwe on Twitter, are you trying to tell me right now that if Unique Ngakwe was available, and he is, and you could get him for the right price, and you knew he was going to give you nine or ten sacks, that Jacksonville wouldn't bring him back, you don't think that Tony Khan is enough of a man that he would not be able to repair that argument for what is better for this football team? That's what I meant about it with fans. And, and, and all of this really began with Roger Clemens leaving Boston and going to New York. You think you're upset about it here in Duval. What about all the people who died, all the chowderheads who died in Boston went 86 years without a title? And Clemens goes next door and starts winning them, Wade Boggs as well? That's massive hatred. So anyway, whether I did a good job, a poor job, or somewhere in between, just trying to separate uh, my feelings on this and anything else you may have gotten out of it. If I ever hear that Jalen Ramsey is coming back to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm all in. 110%. All in. Because I think he makes them a better football team. He makes them a better defense. 
And my other point yesterday is you can act all bold. You can act all tough. That you don't like them, that you hate them, that you despise them. But my whole point of that was that's not what fandom is all about. Sooner or later, you would turn. You trying to tell me if there was a game here and all of a sudden Jalen has a pick six that you're not going to root for? He's playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Of course you are. I just gave you the Clemens example. New York despised Roger Clemens. And then they treated him as one of theirs when he came up. That's what fans do. It has, for the most part, has nothing to do with what's inside the uniform. It's the uniform. And you can put anyone in it. And you're going to root for them. Not here, everywhere. College or pro. It doesn't matter. That's what fans are all about. You are custom to root for the players who play for your team. Hey, there's been examples of guys who've gotten big deals here and haven't performed. I, I saw the way that the reaction was the Carnell Lake and Bryce Pop and Marcel, you know, Wiley, Marcellus Wiley and Hugh, and Hugh Douglas and some other. I, I see that side of it. I, I see when things go bad where you can start rooting against. I saw it here with Nick Foles a couple of years ago. But y'all gave those guys certainly an opportunity. Anyway, think about it. Let me know what you want uh, or what, what you believe. Best way to get us is on the text line. That is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You can also get me on Twitter. That is Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL. All right, opening comments tonight and every night brought to you by Schmunez Vision, Dr. Neil Schmunez and Dr. Catherine Schmunez, talking about more than 30 years in laser eye surgery experience. They are Absolutely the place to go for contacts, uh, for glasses, no doubt about it. But it's more than that, okay? Obviously, an eye exam, what if you need surgery like I had more than eight years ago? What if you want laser eye surgery? You're tired of the contacts. You're, you're tired of the glasses. You're tired of all that nonsense. And you're just like, that's it. I want laser eye surgery. They are the best around located at the beach. Their number is 299-2906 or to go to schmunezvision.com. Once again, 299-2906 or go to schmunezvision.com. Care, you can see. Are we on the YouTube tonight? We are on YouTube. Go to Tenton XL's YouTube page. We are the first video. Share us with your friends. He is JJ LaSalva. I am Rick Ballou. This is Into the Nights. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, today's a one-year celebration of Doug Peterson. Took a while to get it done, but they made the the right decision. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Big week for Doug, right? Turned 54 earlier in the week. One-year celebration. Uh, today, it's it, it's it's going to be amazing because everything changes now. The expectations change. Uh, you as fans, you, you have changed. And, again, enjoying all of this during the offseason uh, should be a whole heck of a lot of fun for you. In my opinion, you lose next year in the divisional round of the playoffs, you should be disappointed. Um, 
you know, you, you've made the move. And uh, that's why it is so interesting to try to figure out what this team is going to do. The Senior Bowl this weekend. I mean, a year ago, you had 106 players drafted in this game. 40% of the NFL draft selected from the Senior Bowl. So, you know, a lot of guys being tossed around that that could come to Jacksonville with the 24th pick. All right, uh, I do want to get to some of this. i got a a bunch of callers on. I want to talk about Jalen. i got a ton of – I mean, look at the text line. Uh, Again, 641-1010, brought to you by – Lifetime enclosures. Twitter is burning up. I can feel it in my back pocket right now. Uh, that is Blue1010XL. First things first, JJ LaSalva, how are you doing? I'm doing great, especially when I looked on Twitter. It looks like Ramsey is trending right now. And uh, just pat ourselves on the back. Some of that's most of that, I feel like, is because of us. Yeah. Uh, here's another Florida State one. Here's the guy who says I got something going on for him, and it's sassy. <laughs> what, the hell? what the hell does that mean? That was Jalen. Was that was like a sports den joke about oh. Jalen for a long time. Jalen's very sassy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right here, fifty forty says Rick's got an old soft spot for sassy. I, I've never been called sassy uh, before in my days. Your your thoughts now that you've had a night to digest? Which, uh, by the way, JJ and I pre-plan and do it. this was not part of the plan that this kind of came out of out of nowhere in in my my point was about fans and I went to the Roger Clemens Boston New York then Jalen came up uh what do you make of it a day later I would love if they were able to do that I mean I I believe his best years are behind him and because of that I think you would be able to get him Probably not for crazy too much. I'm not. Ex- I'm not exactly sure where his contract is, but trade wise, and it's a position they desperately need. He's sort of reached out via social media as like an olive branch. I think it would be an amazing move. I don't think it'll happen, but yeah, I'd be 100 percent for that. All right, we're waiting. I'm. I'm trying to figure out if we want to grab a couple of these calls, or I know we're waiting on uh, on Chad Brown. We could take a call. Um, who is set to join us here in just a couple of moments. Uh, why don't we do that in the meantime? We'll, we'll hear from some of the listeners. Let's go to Christian, who is joining us, and he goes into the night. Welcome. Hey, Rick. Hey. Um, can you hear me okay? I'm in the yep, car. I do. Great, great. Thank you. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think he changes the whole back half of the defense. And the one thing that sticks in my mind is if you look at the number of pressures Josh Allen had this past year that didn't turn into sacks, that extra half second, that extra whatever, I think benefits the front end of the defense, the you know, the, the front seven so much more. And I think, you know, obviously playing the AFC and who we're gonna be going up against the next several years with Josh Allen and Holmes and all these guys, Burrow, I think I think if, 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 it, if it could happen, it, it's definitely a move that would make this – I think it would make a big difference. Appreciate you getting in. Um, you know, I, I look at his contract, and most of it was top-heavy. He's got three years remaining. And, again, when I made these comments last night, I never dreamed that, that I would even get into something like this. It was – it was basically tongue-in-cheek, uh, but he's got a guaranteed salary this year 
of only $5 million, okay? His dead money is over $24 million, so I would be surprised if L.A. ever moved him. Let me see. That drops to uh, 12. uh, That drops to 12. Actually, it's impossible because the cap number. uh, Well, no, it drops to 13-2 after June 1st. So there is a possibility there. Let me look at Jalen Ramsey. Okay, again, we get caught up, and I, I try to explain this to you, and, and, and many of you get it, okay? Not everyone does. Like, case in point, here's the last text I got. This is from the 3414. Jalen makes $20 million a year. Well, no, he doesn't. He's got $5 million of guaranteed money. He's got zero guaranteed money next year. Jalen Ramsey has zero guaranteed money in 2025, the end of his contract. You you can't look at years and money. You have to look at years and guaranteed money. Jalen took so much with the signing bonus, and he got so much the past two years that he can be had for only a $5 million guarantee salary. Now, the big issue would be the dead money that L.A. is going to have to eat, and they're going to have to make some decisions. Look at Cooper Cup, the amount of money he's making, Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford, Allen Robinson, Leonard Floyd. This is a totally different top-heavy landscape than what the Jacksonville Jaguars have. Well, right now with Jacksonville, the highest-paid guy on their football team is Shaq Griffin who we all know is going to be cut. You know, after that, it's Cam in the second year of his deal, and then it's Brendan Sheriff uh, making $20 million. The Sheriff deal is kind of like the Ramsey deal in, in, in this area, okay? Let me give you this example. Brandon Sheriff this year, if you want to move along for, from him, he's got a cap figure of $20 million. He's got a guaranteed salary of $13,500,000. Next year, Brandon Sheriff, cap number twenty one million five hundred thousand, guaranteed money, nothing, no guaranteed money. You can say goodbye to Brandon Sheriff next year instead of paying him twenty one million five hundred thousand. You can eat a five million dollar dead cap figure, and that's it. Okay, let me see if that changes post June first. Um, no, it remains five. So. Do you understand how this works? And I'm not trying to be a smartass. I'm just, because it is complex. But no, he's not making $20 million a year. That is inaccurate. With his three years remaining, he's got $5 million of that. Only this year, that is guaranteed. And and you know he's going to want more, right? I mean, he's still going to get paid. uh, But if if he's under contract with him, he's still going to get paid that amount of money. Um, but that's why, and, and that's another reason of looking at what Jacksonville is going to be able to do when you look at the figures of where they are, you know, over the cap right now, 22 plus million dollars and, and where they need to be come March 15th, all you got to do is restructure two or three of these deals and do the exact same thing. Give them a ton of signing bonus money. And that first year is going to be basically nothing as far as a, um, you know, as far as the hit against the salary cap. It, year two is going to be brutally expensive. 
uh, the way it was this year for Roy Robertson Harris, Rayshon Jenkins, and for Shaq Griffin. But the dead money goes away in year three. Uh, Trent Bucky does a really good job of, uh, of managing the cap. Let's go to Tony. He is next. He joins us on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Welcome. Hey, how are you doing? What's up, Tony? All right. Um, so I have a comment and a question. My comment would be, if the Jaguars was to make a move of this magnitude, that's them saying that we are a Super, super Bowl contender and we're just one piece away from the puzzle. And my question would be, uh, not that I'm opposed to bringing in a player uh, like Jalen Ramsey, but would it make more sense if they're going to make that type of a big flash move that, to go after a Miles Garrett or some a superstar that you know can help us more on you know creating pressure? Um, with and, and and I'll take it off the air. Well, the way I look at it is after quarterback, it's it's a healthy argument. What is the second, third, and fourth most important position on a football team. If you were to line up NFL experts um, and you put 10 of them here, my guess is a couple would tell you a left tackle, a couple would tell you a pass rush defensive end, and a couple would tell you a bona fide shutdown corner, okay? Right now, Jacksonville doesn't have any of them, okay? Um, Tyson Campbell became a shutdown corner. I'm going to correct myself there, okay? Tyson Campbell is a number one, and and I still believe his best football is absolutely ahead of him. So let's say that. Cam Robinson, I never would have paid him. I never would have, and he got hurt, and I hate it. I mean, every show that I do, I get the, hey, trade Cam Robinson uh, in a deal. Y- y- you can't. That's year two of his deal. That's way too expensive. No team's going to take on a guy who's had two busted up knees and for that amount of money. Um, is he a great left tackle? We'll see. I, I, I certainly hope so if he's going to protect the face of the franchise for the next several years. They don't have a pass rush end. Some of it is scheme. Some of it is just flat-out ability. I mean, they didn't have a guy with, what, more than six sacks, six or seven sacks. I've seen different stats on Allen on, on – uh, on different reports, and of course, I I thought they used Trayvon Walker uh, a year ago the wrong way. So your point is fair, okay? Absolutely it is fair. Uh, As a matter of fact, let's bring in Chad Brown in and ask them, former defensive player, uh, as as he goes uh, into the night with Rick Ballou. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. All right, he is out in Denver. He is the former um, longtime defensive player in the NFL. It's always good to catch up with Chad Brown, who joins us here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM with Rick Ballou. Chad, how you been? I am fantastic. Sorry about being a little bit late. I was on the air with a Philly radio station, and those guys are very proud of their Eagles, so that call went a little longer than I expected. Yeah, yeah, I I can just imagine how those folks are in Philly, and you're like, hey, I got to go. I got a guy down in Jacksonville I got to talk to, and – and what those Philly guys must have said. But we, we were just in a conversation. I, You know, I've heard forever, and obviously you have, quarterback the most important position. Then it's left tackle, defensive end, cornerback. But in what order? And if you could get an equal pass rush defensive end 
compared to an equal shutdown, take half the field cornerback. Which direction are you going, Chad? Uh, and I'm not saying this because I was a pass rusher. Uh, I'm going to go with the edge guy. I'm going to go with the pass rusher because he has a, a chance to affect the run game as well. Um, and it's rare that a cornerback, and this is going to get to more of the brutal side of football, knocks a player out of the game. We saw Hassan Riddick in the first quarter of that game last week against the 49ers end the 49ers' hope. Nothing dirty, nothing illegal about it. The, Kyle Shanahan, one of the more creative play callers and play schemers in the NFL, drew up a play where the third-string tight end was blocking Hassan Riddick, who came into the game with 16 regular season sacks and had a sack and a half the week before. Well, Hassan Riddick hits Brock Purdy, ends the 49ers' hopes of winning the championship game. Cornerbacks don't ever do that. So uh, just simply from that aspect alone, a chance to affect the game in that way, i got to go with an edge guy over a cornerback. All right, spoken like a true linebacker, a rush linebacker <laughs> as well, uh, in Chad Brown, joining Rick Ballou here in Jacksonville on the, the home of the Jaguars. Um, all right, very interesting. Uh, we talked with you, I want to say it was around week six, week seven. Jacksonville was struggling a little bit. They were in the midst of a five-game losing streak. Obviously, they turned things around late, Chad, and uh, proved that they were a 60-minute team coming from behind to win a lot of games. I in your opinion, what really changed for this football team? Uh, I, I think if you are kind of going through that process with a, with a new coach um, and with as awful as the, the tenure was with, with Urban Meyer, um, it can take you a while to find your footing and regain your, your confidence. Uh, a confident team plays better. A confident team believes in itself. And once that confidence starts coming around and it gets throughout the building, the guy who makes the omelets, he makes them better in the morning. The guy who cuts the stripes on the field, their stripes are straighter. So that process of gaining the confidence and gaining that belief can take some time with a new coach. Uh, but as we saw, when they had their most success, they were incredibly balanced. They ran the ball well. They threw the ball well. They played good defense. Um, and that is a, a formula for success. It just took a, a while for the, all those pieces to come together. As bad as things were here a year ago, we saw the second half of the season. We saw uh, a rookie defensive back, Tyson Campbell, really improve his play during the second half of uh, the 2021 season. And he continued to pick that up this year in 2022. So with that said, because of the limitations that Jacksonville does have as far as spending, so much is going to be on those three defensive draft picks this past year. Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma. As a former player like yourself, in a same system, how much better can guys get year one to year two? Well, year one to year two is where you typically make the biggest leap of improvement. Um, after my rookie year, uh, I went in and met with Marvin Lewis, who was my linebacker coach in Pittsburgh. It went on to become the head coach of Cincinnati Bengals. And we chatted briefly, and Marvin was like, what can I do? I was like, Marvin, I need a tape. Give me a tape. Give me a highlight tape, but also give me a low-light tape. Give me all the plays that you never want to see me do again on an NFL field. And I watched that tape. He, he mailed it to me. I got it maybe two weeks later when I was already back in Colorado. I watched that tape every single day that offseason. And, in fact, if somebody were to pop that tape in right now, I could tell you 
within 95% accuracy what the next play is going to be and what I did wrong and all that stuff. I, I burned that tape into my brain, and I used that opportunity of having played that full first regular season as, as, as a great learning lesson. Mm-hmm. And again, what to do, what not to do, what were the limitations in my game? What were the physical limitations? What do I need to work on in the offseason? Was it a footwork thing? Was it a strength and power thing? Was it a recognition thing? All those kind of variables that you can have some you know, questions about going into the season as a rookie. But after finishing your rookie campaign, you should walk away with a pretty extensive list of this is what I do well, this is what I didn't do well, and this is my plan to improve. Let me ask you about a couple of quarterbacks. Chad Brown, our guest, uh, joining us right here on Into the Night with Rick Ballou on the home of the Jags, 10-10 on the AM, 92.5 on the FM. Right there in Denver, uh, your thoughts now, Russell Wilson getting an opportunity to work with Sean Payton. What do you believe? Uh, well, of all the coaches that were rumored to be you know, hot candidates for the Broncos, Sean Payton seems to be the one best equipped to help Russell Wilson uh, recover from what we saw last year. You know, Dan Quinn, defensive guy. Uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh, not quite the quarterback whisperer that Sean Payton is supposed to be. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, obviously only six years as a coach in the NFL. I don't think he could, he could be the guy to move Russell Wilson back to what we once saw in Seattle. So Sean Payton, his experience with Drew Brees, all that kind of lines up with hopefully getting the Broncos' offense going back in the right direction. I think four times in his 15 years, Sean Payton was the number one offense um, at New Orleans. And then there was probably six or seven times, maybe even eight times, I think they were also, they also finished within the top ten. So he's a proven offensive play caller. He's a proven guy who can stack plays on top of each other. He's proven he can have a great relationship with his quarterback between play caller and the quarterback. So all these things point in the right direction for Russell Wilson. And then from a Broncos organizational standpoint, they will know pretty quickly in this season whether Russell Wilson is fixable or not. So the, the question coming off of last season was, is it Russell Wilson or is it Nathaniel Hackett? Mm. I would say it was definitely in both of their camps last year, some of that blame to be shared. But now with Sean Payton coming in, with all that experience and offensive success, it'll firmly be on Russell Wilson's shoulders whether he can be successful or not. How about Aaron Rodgers? Uh, Aaron Rodgers is, is a fascinating one. And, you know, I played in the NFL until I was 38 years old. And having talked with coaches um, in my later years, the conversation would always be, you'll know when you're done, when you are unwilling to put the work in to prepare for the season. Uh, we all saw Aaron Rodgers complain about his young receivers and his rookie receivers this year. Uh, and how they had so much to learn, how they needed to grow up. Well, Aaron Rodgers, you weren't in Green Bay in the offseason. You had other places to be. You had other things to do. So you can't, on one hand, complain about those guys when you are unwilling to help them in the offseason. So while you still may have something left in the tank as a player, um, I know the Jets are trying to get them out there with Robert Sala, and, and I can see why they would want to do that. Uh, to me, that's a, that's a sign. If you are unwilling to put in the work in the offseason, whether it's the physical work, the mental work, or time with your teammates, that's a sign that you're not really, truly invested the way you should be. Mm, well said. Yeah, take it from player to play it again. He just told you till he was 38 years of age. Final moments with Chad Brown. All right, Chad, what do you make a, a week from Sunday? Who wins the Super Bowl? 
Wow. Uh, obviously, you know, two very good quarterbacks. Uh, Jalen Hurts' ability to make plays with his legs is, is it makes his life very difficult for defenders. NFL defenses are just simply not built to deal with uh, the quarterback as a runner. Um, and obviously, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I, what can I say about him? He's an absolute magician. So you got two good quarterbacks. Um, the difference in this ballgame to me is going to come down to the play of the defenses. Uh, Philadelphia, number two defense in the league. They've got four uh, of their front seven with double-digit sacks. I believe that's the first time in NFL history a team has done that. The fifth guy on that sack list for them is Fletcher Cox. Last time I checked, that dude's really, really good too. Um, versus the Kansas City defense, uh, they got Chris Jones up front. He's a, he's a game record. Frank Clark tends to show up in the playoffs, got that sack last week. But the secondary for the Chiefs, they have given up the most touchdown passes um, in the NFL during the regular season. So that gives me some concern going against the Eagles. If the Eagles are able to run the ball early, then go with play action, and that way Jalen Hurts can have six or seven guys in the block for him. They can get one-on-one coverage down the field. One of those secondary guys from the Chiefs against A.J. Brown or something like that there can be some, some big plays over the head of that Chiefs defense. And I'm predicting at least one, possibly two, long touchdown passes from Jalen Hurts in that exact situation. Run the ball early, establish the run, get the Chiefs to bring that safety into the box, get one-on-one coverage down the field, throw it over their head. Hmm. Very intriguing. I love it. Hey, every time I have you on, I ask you about snakes. Uh, you have them as pets. You breed them. Uh, first off, your, your pets, do you name your snakes? Uh, I've got a couple of snakes that are at the office that are named. I've got some green tree pythons. I've got one male and three females. So they are Jay-Z is the male, and all the females are, are Destiny's child. So it is Beyonce, Kelly, and Michelle. And uh, no diss to Kelly and Michelle, Beyonce is the prettiest one. Oh, all right. Did, did you ever freak out any teammates, uh, you know, these big, strong, tough guys, by maybe dropping a snake in their locker or one of their gym bags? Are you, are you a prank guy? Uh, you know, I don't like to prank people with, with, with reptiles because the animal itself could get hurt. Okay. How big the guy is being pranked. Yeah. But I had my reptile facility here in Denver. And right. as a Seattle Seahawk, once upon a time, the Seahawks used to be in the AFC West. Mm-hmm. So we came to Denver every season. So I would arrange uh, for my business partner to pick us up in a big van. And all these guys would make a pilgrimage, essentially, to my reptile facility. And to see a gigantic man like Sam Adams. Sam Adams was probably 330 pounds at the time. Cowering, you know, in a doorway. Won't even go all the way into the room because there's just too many snakes in the room. I can't yeah. go in there, man. It's like, you're going you're gonna to be hitting people with your face tomorrow for three hours. You can't even be in the room with a couple of reptiles. I've seen it all. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Hey, uh, last one for you. There's all these shows that are on, you know, Snake Hunters, and uh, I've visited uh, a few times the the Everglades. Uh, have you ever come down here? Have you ever considered, you know, do going out looking for uh, for boas or pythons in the Everglades? You ever ever thought about that? Well, I, I've been uh, reptile collecting in uh, Indonesia. I helped discover a species of python on the trip to Indonesia. I've been to Costa Rica. I've been to Thailand. I've been out in, in, you know, on the Texas-Mexico border in the deserts of California. And I have been down to the Everglades in Florida. Obviously, there's a lot of reptile businesses based in, in southern Florida. I've got a lot of friends down there in the area. So when I go visit them, uh, every once in a while, we'll, we'll, we'll get a, 
uh, a crew together, and we'll go out looking for some things in the glades. And we've actually seen a couple of uh, African rock pythons and Burmese pythons down there. Unbelievable. Just incredible. Chad, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. I know we'll do it again real soon. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. There he goes. Chad Brown, former linebacker, long time player in the National Football League, also a snake breeder. Okay. And I, I remember reading about Chad Brown as a snake. I didn't know he was a breeder until we had him on recently, but I read something like 20 years ago about how he had pet snakes. And at his home, you know, you, I guess you go see Chad Brown, you walk around, he'd have snakes just all around his home, you know, just cruising all around. And uh, we had a pet snake at Florida State. It was um, it was when I moved out, you know, I was away from campus. It, it, it was at a, uh, a home. And um, it got tribal at times when we would feed it, you know, like a, a little rat or a, a little mouse. And I was tending bar at the time before I got in the radio and we'd always have after parties at, at the house and some of the waitresses would come back, whatever. And I, I remember one morning I woke up and uh, the mouse was gone, but there was money there to buy another one. This girl was heartbroken that this particular mouse was going to get just ripped apart by a python. I thought it was pretty interesting. All right, let's get back to you. 641-1010. Best way to get us on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Thank you to Chad Brown. With you tonight till 8 o'clock, then it's Hacker Nation. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, thank you to Chad Brown for joining us. What are you going to do this weekend? No Super Bowl, no no football. I got the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl is always one of those deals where I lay the tape. I don't make it as a appointment viewing, but I'll certainly go back and, and watch it. We uh, can't go to your sister's wedding. Sorry, I got the Senior Bowl this afternoon. I've always been one of those who has thought that the Senior Bowl practice week is more important than the actual game. That's what everybody says, yeah. Um. Well, you know, I... If everyone's going to say, you know, you I'm, have to, You're yeah, a that's, follower. that's what everyone says. It's kind of the way I'm wired. <laughs> I'm going to go with the general, I don't know why that is. I guess just because you public. get more reps in practice than you would during the game. I'm not sure why everyone ag- agrees to that. point. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a lot I wanted to, but, but, but first things first, uh, second round coverage at Pebble and the former Noel. Okay, because if I had an opportunity, for those of you who know, the only reason why I want Jalen Ramsey to come back is because he's a knoll. That'd be the only reason. Um, that's it. I mean, that's it. And he's not a great player. Yeah, while you're at it, bring back Corey Fuller. You know, he's an assistant coach now at FSU. Or, you know, bring back Corey Sawyer. Bring back Samari Roll. Uh, bring them all back. Terrell Buckley. Uh, Hank Labiota. The Noel minus nine through sixteen after a sixty-three yesterday. So uh he along with Kurt Kitayama at nine under par. All right, I know you're not a huge golf guy. You like watching it on TV. I'm you like a covering... majors guy, big tournament right. guy. I, but, I would but you're say not a... I am a golf guy. Okay, but yeah, I, I should let me rephrase. Not that. a golfer. You're not a golfer. Correct. Okay. Uh, I'm playing in the hate tomorrow. Really looking forward to it out at the old sawgrass. I'm playing on TPC. 
on Monday. It's uh, I love golf, and I almost think that this is like the golf capital of the world living here in Jacksonville. Uh, played an unbelievable course yesterday, Atlantic Beach. There's just so many beautiful golf courses here in Jacksonville and the surrounding area. If I was to be a nice guy and say you could play one golf course in the United States of America, where would you play? Pebble, right? Yeah. For me, it would be Pebble. I think for a lot, they would say Augusta. Oh, true. I was just thinking the scenic area. Augusta, everyone says a dump. Um, but just being able to be on the course, yes. <laughs> Washington Street's hopping. It 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 is uh it is rather slummy getting <laughs> into Augusta. The ropes. Now I've only been to Augusta once. I've been to Pebble Beach three times, but I'm an ocean guy, and Same. I um, and and I will play someday. You you can play Pebble. It's probably going to cost you four, five, six hundred dollars. You know, it's going to cost you a lot of money to play it, and it's worth it. I mean, there are people all across the world who, who come here and, and, and they want to play the stadium course at Sawgrass. They, they want to experience uh, with that golf course. What's is, the bill for that? You know, I, I don't know. There, there are different packages, I imagine, where if you stay in the hotel there. Get I, a deal. I, I don't know how all of that uh, works out. I, I honestly do not. Um, but I will play Pebble one of these days. He, here's... Here's the only issue I have with a with, with Augusta, and and I don't know if it's part jealousy or if it's disappointment with the way that they always were with total absolute elitism. They were the only event forever that you couldn't watch all four rounds. Do you remember? You know, I'm older than you. I remember growing up where they would, like, only give you, like, the back nine on a Sunday. And in the back nine on Saturday, I don't want to speak out of turn here. I don't remember exactly what the broadcast rights were. But it just came across as so old and so white and so rich. And it it was saying to 99.999999 of America that, listen, You'll never be one of us. And on top of that, you're not even allowed to sit at home and watch us on TV. Augusta National did not allow CBS to provide full 18-hole coverage of the final round until 2002. That's appalling. Yeah. Okay? That, that is embarrassing. And trust me, all right, I've heard a lot of stories off the record about that place and the way that it has been run and what have you. And there is a ton of that. There is a ton of arrogance. They, they don't want the normal folk. They don't. You've got to be wealthy. You've got to be someone. So there's a little bit of that that, 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 that bothers me just a tiny bit. Now, granted, I, I, I did go the year that Angel Cabrera uh, won and um, that final grouping, the second the final grouping, I think it was 2013, maybe. I'm trying to remember the year. I It might have been 2013 may even have been late. Heck, it might have been 9 or 10. I, I don't remember the year I went to the Masters. I, I remember that Angel Cabrera won. 
And I also remember driving back, and they didn't serve alcohol in Georgia on Sunday, which pissed off uh, some folks that I was with. Not me. But 2009. 2009. Yeah, the second-to-last grouping to go off was, uh, was Tiger and, uh, and, uh, and Mickelson. And, and, you know, the guy I, one of the guys I was with was one of those early risers, and we were out really late on Saturday night. And it's like 7 a.m. And he's like ringing and knocking. On, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. And we like one of the first people there. I think it was like the second or third group that went out was the twosome of uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez and Rocco Mediate. And there was no one there. No one behind. I mean, we literally saw for like 16 holes, we saw every shot tee to green. And it was cool. And then, you know, we went back to the first hole because that's when Tiger and Phil uh, we're getting ready to go off, but I, I've always been a little disturbed by the um, j- just the presence of. Uh, it's the only sport who does that. Okay, and now nowadays the Super Bowl is uh, it's got a little bit of that feeling. But I got it's news the for Masters it. of Football, right? They're it, like you're never gonna go, but you can you can still get to the Super Bowl if you're willing to pay. I mean, if you're willing to pay, you can get. I I don't know if I don't think. You can't just like buy a ticket to the Masters. No, you got to get a badge. Yeah, it's a badge that's been handed down, and you know. Well, but the Super Bowl, though, the point I'm making about the Super Bowl is it's corporate. You can be involved in that major company, and you can be a part of the Super Bowl, where those type of things do not happen in Augusta. So anyway, I'd take Pebble. By the way, Cabrera is in prison in Argentina right now. I just talked about how I played Atlantic Beach yesterday. There were a few years ago where he was trying to come back. He was playing in the web.com tour. Mm-hmm. 2020. And I saw him on 18, which is right across the way from, like, the the patio area where we were doing our show. This was when I was on Midday Chalk, noon to 3, and he had a cigarette burning right over the little tiny pond there. It go, you can go back to the days of – you know, like in the 70s, uh, when Jack Nicholas, before they redesigned this course, Jack Nicholas eagled 18 to win a tournament here in Jacksonville. What's he in jail for? Um, he hit his chick. Mm. He said prison's been good for him. Uh, he was bad alcoholic, apparently. So he's sobered up in there, and uh-huh. I think he gets out soon. On hell, Capra. Now, the guy who's trying to get out of jail is Callum Winslow Jr. Yes. He's in for 14 years. Uh, a lot years. more serious charges for him. Right, for rape. And then uh, appara- he was on, I think, bail for a rape charge and committed another sexual assault while he was on bail. I read a story about Kellen Winslow Jr. this morning where he is citing physical trauma from football and is asking for an early release from prison. Most people are like, you know, I've been good in here. You know, let me out early. He just like I got beat up on playing football, so let me out. I don't know if that's gonna work. I also read a story today in good old Boston MA where they're proposing now. You ready for this? Prisoners to get a shorter prison time if they donate their organs. Okay, the sixty state days of this country, man. The sixty days to a year. Yeah, that's it. What I want to know is, do you get more time off if you donate more organs? That that's what I'm trying to to figure out. But uh, yeah, good old Taxachusetts, they're they're getting after that as well. All right, let's take a break. Let's do that. We got much more to do. Six four one ten ten. If you'd like to get on, and got a ton of stuff here on Jalen. I mean, just a ton. 
I I kind of feel like I I've done all I can do with that, and I'm going to let it lie uh, until something new does transpire. But I appreciate all of you, um, whether you agree or disagree, and I, I appreciate your response. We got a lot to do with you tonight, delight. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I was just talking about one of the munchkins because I'm playing golf at TPC on Monday. Is 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 that new wave? Is that something in pop culture that I've missed? Um, the or last I mean, time I'm small. I heard, I, I, probably that, but the last time I heard munchkin used in pop culture was The Wizard of Oz. So I don't know how recent that is. But I, I guess that's what they call the media members because this mm. golf tournament is for y'all. I don't know. Haven't heard that one. Playing it yearly, and I love it. Munchkins. Love it, and I love it. Uh, Who's the best golfer at 1010XL? Me. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, now, nah, Prosser beats me. Mm. Prosser's better. Frank, first of all, since people thought I offended fans, let, let me start offending myself and my colleagues. This is the <laughs> worst athletic radio station I have ever worked for. Okay? I mean, about three of us play golf. That's it? We got Dempsey, I mean, you, uh, does Hicken? Hicken will probably play in this. I, I've seen Hicken at the yearly TPC, but he's not a recreational golfer. No. He'll play in charity events. You know, the, Joe would love to, but Joe works eight days a week. Yes. Uh, what about young my, my former Denmark? My former job, by the way. <laughs> they, they stole. No, he didn't. I went to Chicago, and I handpicked him. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I got this Bill O'Reilly guy. Bill O'Reilly coming in. Uh, from the, I'm like, yeah. Never heard of him. Yeah, he he's the voice of uh, Utah now. Oh, not Bill O'Reilly. Bill Riley, not Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> not, not uh, hey, I'm looking out for you. Uh, this is the morning guy. And I'm like, nah, he's not a good guy. Go go with uh, Joe Coward. He's a good guy. He loves golf. You know, Bill O'Reilly. They brought O'Reilly, in higher the next day. Um, whatever you say about his politics, write some good books. Yeah. It was like Killing Whatever series. There's a few good ones in there. I've read a few. I have. Uh, but... Oh, all right. So um, the 5085 says, uh, let's see here. Monday at TPC, you were one of the munchkins. Ha, ha, ha. So I write back, I don't get it. As in small, he responds, no, the family. Back in the caddy days, they were munchkins. We were the first group out every morning, no matter what. Never fixed the divot, repaired a ball mark, or raked a bunker on following them. Well, every year we do this, we, they have caddies with us, and we play them. Uh, pay them well, as you should, having a caddy with you. So, but no, we aren't the most athletic group ever. No. All you have to do is look at a uh, a family shot of 10, 10 XL. Could anyone in this company run a mile? Me? I run three miles every day. <laughs> okay. But I would say me, E.T. E.T. can run a mile. Yeah, me, E.T. I know Jeff Prosser can. Um... Lauren. Mm-hmm. Mia? Yeah, Mia could run a mile. Uh, maybe Graham? 
He's like 24 years old. I hope he can run a mile. Yeah, but if you yeah. don't run, you're not just going to be able to run a mile. Um, and that's it, man. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Let me find this one. We do have a, a pro bowler that works here. but Oh, absolutely. You think Leon can run a mile? No, that, no, not right now. You think Leon can... Uh, he said he hasn't ran since, like, 2003. Leon's played in some golf tournaments. Has he? Yeah, I asked Whoa, him. Whoa, I would love to see that. Uh, here's a guy who destroys me, this 7102. He goes up and down on me about Jalen and how he's a punk ass and how I'm a punk ass. And, and, and then right after it, he responds and he says, you keep babbling about golf. Could you be any more white? Like, no. I mean, what do you what do you want from me, man? Guess what? The second all time leader in majors, sir, I'm, I'm, is black. <laughs> I'm like I'm rangy, man. It's got done talking about Angel Cabrera, who's Argentinian, not right? white. I mean, I just got done ripping the uh, the, the 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 proud and wealthy whites. That's the reason why I don't want to. I wouldn't want to play. A, I'd, I'd rather play Pebble than. It, a, <laughs> and the guy's still unhappy. This guy's also low IQ. He says, you keep babbling about golf, question mark. Could you be any more white? But he, in all caps, be. Like, could you be any more capital white? Hmm. First of all, white shouldn't be capitalized. And then you're emphasizing the wrong word, sir. You yeah. sound like a doofus. Mm -hmm. And that's for me, since Rick's scared to call you guys idiots. I'll call you an idiot. Nine oh nine. Oh my goodness! The Munchkins were the original charter members of the TPC at Sawgrass when it opened. Okay, so that's like a TPC thing. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's why I love it. I come in here every day, and I I get an opportunity to learn. Uh, all right, let's let's do another one here because we missed uh, we missed a break with Chad Brown. I was pretty long winded as the show began. And, uh, hey, that's the way things are. But when I come back, I got some broadcasting news that, that I think you'll find pretty intriguing. It's, um, I'm, under the, I'm under the impression that something big's going to happen here. So, something's coming that we aren't exactly seeing at this particular time. If you don't know what I am talking about, good. I'll get into it next. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, some clubbing music for you folks out there. Go get it. Right? Friday night. Oh, to be single. Oh, to be young again. Running, ripping. Uh, instead, we got to cut a couple of commercials at 8 o'clock. <laughs> That's all right. I got a bottle of vodka in the uh, freezer waiting for me after that. Some broadcast news that I think is is pretty interesting. Um, you know, I, I I think I think something massive could happen here. Uh, Andrew Marshan does a really good job with the New York Post. He he handles the media and and writes about it often. There's only a few of them left. Uh, it was it Rudy Martsky used to do it for the USA Today, and you know they've kind of gone wayside with. Um, with newspapers, uh, Jay Mariotti was doing it for a little bit. Uh, he stopped. But anyway, it, it just gives you 
all the changes and, and everything is happening in the uh, in the circle that is sports media. Uh, but he came out with an interesting piece this week that Greg Olson, who's going to call the Super Bowl, and Greg Olson is like the hot commodity right now. He's getting a tremendous amount of attention. And apparently in his contract, which is just brilliant by his lawyer, by his agent, if he gets a number one job offer, he gets out of his Fox deal. For those of you who do not know, Tom Brady is waiting on a 10-year, $375 million contract to be the number one guy at Fox. The speculation is he will take that over this fall. Greg Olson, if someone else was to get let go, could get that number one job. So he writes about Chris Collinsworth, and he mentions the fact that Collinsworth has lost his fastball. I I think you would agree with that. Um, Collinsworth in the game he called a couple of weeks ago in Kansas City uh, said that that ball that Christian Kirk dropped was an overthrow by Trevor Lawrence. Uh, to me, you can't make mistakes like that when you are the number one analyst uh, for that particular network. Uh, last year during the Super Bowl was perhaps his worst moment. Okay, OBJ went out, and L.A. came back and won it. We remember the game, and and Collinsworth just went so overboard about, oh, my God, what are they going to do? How are they going to be able to to come back? And the whole world on Twitter is like, oh, I don't know, Chris, maybe get the ball to Cooper Cup. You know, he only had the most receptions this year. He had the most yards this year. He had the most touchdowns this year. He won the Triple Crown. And Collinsworth's like, what are they going to do? How they? So he, he got really scarred for that. He's getting ripped for totally overdoing it for Patrick Mahomes. He's just – so anyway, is it going to be Collinsworth at NBC? Uh, love Mike Trico, but could it be Greg Olson going there? Yeah, Dr. Herbie, who's a college guy, who's not telling anyone anything, right? Am I wrong? I mean, if I'm wrong, tell me. Six four one ten ten. Okay, with with my my really 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 impressive and smart listening audience. All right, six four one ten ten. Oh wait, they don't take compliments. They only take criticism. This audience, of course, they take compliments. Six four one ten ten on the uh, text. I'm brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Doctor Herbie, no. He's not an NFL guy. He's a college guy. He did nothing in that booth with Al Michaels. So do you move along from Dr. Herbie? And then the big one is now Tony Romo. And the stories that are out this week on Tony Romo are absolutely spectacular. First of all, there's been stuff written that there's like a huge personality difference and problem between Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Whoa. That everything that they do on air is staged. That Jim Nance doesn't challenge Tony Romo nearly enough. And and one thing they brought up more than even in-game is the post-game when they sent it back to the podium that they believe that those two should have no say in it. They have enough pre-in, post-game analysts around that by then they're done. Uh, Colin Coward went as far as to say that Tony Romo, his skills have eroded as a analyst because he's got the golf bug. 
He signed a 10-year, $180 million deal. And Tony Romo was, was it, it's almost, in a way, our fault, the consumer's fault, because you blew this man up so high. It's like, I mean, look at what John Smoltz does in baseball. That's amazing. Baseball's not going to get a sniff compared to the NFL because of its lack of popularity. But Tony Romo kind of came out as like, oh, my God, look at what Tony can see this. And then it all went away. And what people are trying to figure out is, did it go away because he was told to calm down with that? Or has his work ethic all of a sudden left him? Uh, This piece in the New York Post written by Andrew Marchand actually came out and said that they had an intervention, okay, that they sat down the higher-ups at, uh, at CBS and, and talked to him about things that he is doing and things that he is not doing and what he needs to do moving forward. Obviously, CBS has denied that. So, you've got three of the analysts right now getting punched. Okay, the only one who's not is Troy Aikman with Joe Buck at ESPN. And, you know, again, Greg Olson is out, not to be redundant, but it's going to be Tom Brady. Where is he going to end up? Okay, if anywhere. Or does he go and become the number two guy at Fox? Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. But, yeah, I I am a little bit disappointed um, to read about all of this, only because I think that we're in a very good era for sports broadcasting, uh, particularly with national sports broadcasters but you know when you start hurt you know when you start learning about the amount of money that these guys are making I I think it draws even that much more criticism and uh, you're getting that now so that is the very latest there involved with Tony Romo we'll see um you know I was never a big Romo fan to begin with I just wasn't and I'm not sure why I just didn't. I just didn't understand it. I, I, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. And as I've said many times before, Phil Sims didn't bother me. Okay, you see a big difference between Phil Sims and Tony Romo, a noticeable one for you? No. I no, not like I always say. I I don't. I barely pay attention to these dudes. Um, so no, I don't notice a difference between them. I noticed the only thing I noticed about Tony Romo is he doesn't predict plays anymore, which was sort of like his thing the first season. He obviously has gone away from that. I heard Nance said in an interview recently that he doesn't do that anymore because he wanted to prove to everyone that he's not a one trick pony. Mm. (laughs) I would love to get to the bottom of that and, you know, just. The assumption would be, okay, you work what, 20, 21, 22 times a year? I'm not sure. They don't even do preseason games unless – I think there are times where they fly them into a stadium and they do like a game, like a practice game. I think that that may happen with the number one teens. But you know from watching Jaguar games that, that, you know, there are – actually there are about one that is – that is broadcasted nationally. I think as we move a little bit deeper into it, um, but it's not every broadcast crew, obviously. 
I don't know what they do as far as preseason. But my, my point is, is that, you know, you're doing about 20 games a year. How can there be a problem in the booth if you're working with a guy 20 times a year? Now, I understand that, you know, they get there. Now, the way it's supposed to be is that you get in on like a Thursday or a Friday. And you're there, and you meet the teams, and you meet the coaches, and you talk to the star players. Uh, there have been reports that, that Tony Romo's not showing up until Saturday. Okay? That, that's something else that, again, I can't confirm it, but no matter who you are and what you're doing, that is when you are supposed to be a part uh, of the product. And apparently, that is not something that Tony Romo is doing as well, so... Anyway, we'll see if anything ends up coming out of this. Also, next week, which is going to be really a blast, I, 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 don't, I can't remember the last time I was this excited about Roger Goodell's address because this is going to be fascinating. I, I mean, the spin that he is going to give you, this is a report that came out today by the NFL. That's the best part of the story is that the NFL – release this a week before, actually, what, four days before, four and or five days before. On a Friday, of course. Right, it was a Friday news dump, but I would have thought for sure this information would have been released after his address next week. What it says to me is they were petrified that this was going to leak. They didn't want one of the information breakers around the NFL to have this story, they wanted to get ahead of it. So anyway, what I'm saying is the NFL did acknowledge today that concussions are up 18% from the 2021 season. And you and I both know it and we support it, but there's so much greed, right? I mean, you've added a 17th game. This is the second year. You've now added an extra wild card game in the AFC and an extra wild card game in the NFC. You only have one bye in each conference. And a year ago, because I remember sitting here saying, what? What did he just say? He actually supported his argument with, with data, stating that, yeah, going from 16 games to 17 games, we noticed less concussions. And it, it just... It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess the numbers he had said so. But this year, it's up 18%. It's gone from, uh, let's see, it's gone from uh, 126 concussions in 271 games up to 149 concussions in 271 games. I tweeted this out earlier today, and someone responded to me by saying half of those were was to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like you don't want to laugh about a situation like that, but sometimes sometimes people are funny. Um, How is that, he going to – Those are concussions just reported, by right. the way. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean – There's plenty of guys deep oh, down on the roster who don't want to miss never. any time. That's scary. Yeah. You know, I was kind of uh, – tongue-in-cheek, commenting on Callan Winslow Jr. a little bit earlier, who's in the midst of a 14-year prison sentence. He's saying football trauma uh, has affected him, you know, with his decision-making, and it's affecting him now, and 
that it should lead to his early release. Which, by the way, if he is being truthful about that, what makes you think that we should release you then? Like, yeah. if you're like, hey, I'm messed up. Like, my brain is destroyed. I can't make the right decisions, so let me out. Yeah, we need to go to Not a, a mental defense, hospital yeah. or something like that. You can't throw him back into society, so uh, I'm not sure. But I'm going to be very interested next week. See, what you want is answers. And to me, the two biggest issues are are, are not whether or not this new style of the, uh, you know, the, the hip roll tackle, the changes of pass interference, the possibility of a neutral AFC and NFC matchup, you know, at a setting, which I am not a fan of. But that's all things that we'll see how they navigate through. The the two issues to me that absolutely have to be hammered out is the scenario with concussions. And how can you say this to NFL fans that everything is fine and keep adding games and everyone's happy, yet you have an 18% increase in concussions. And it's almost like a hush-hush because you as the fan, you don't want less games. You want only more. And I get it. I want more games. But how are you supporting this when the, when the data tells you that you're having more? The other situation that I'm very perplexed about is how he's going to handle questions about officiating. Now, I've said it, and I mean it. I want next week's Super Bowl to go to the team who doesn't deserve to win it. I do. I, I, I want this year's Super Bowl to be such a farce that the team who doesn't earn it actually gets a call and wins it just because I've had it with the officiating. So what's this man going to do? He makes $56 bucks a year. He can't decide on Deshaun Watson. He can't decide on anything. How is he going to answer these questions? And if I'm talking about it here in Jacksonville, you know as well as I do, J.J., that the people around him are going to prepare him that he's going to get asked about concussions and he's going to get asked about the officiating. Does he spin it? Does he answer it? Or does it end up somewhere in between? Well, I actually think the number one topic they're going to be discussing is DeMar Hamlin and moving that game and all that stuff. So I, I, I don't even think this discussion thing will be one of the main points, unfortunately. All right. You know what? The Hamlin thing is going to be huge. There's no doubt. Move the game and all that stuff. All right. Let's take a break. We need to take our final one of the night, come back, and uh, we'll put our uh, final thoughts on it. Get you ready for Hacker. And uh, he joins you at 8 o'clock. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, that's going to do it for us. Coming up on Monday, 6 to 8, we'll have plenty to get into. Of course, it is Super Bowl weekend, uh, the Senior Bowl coming up this weekend as well. So for those of you who watch it, enjoy it. I know I'm going to certainly uh, tape it, and I will get to it. Uh, I was shocked to read that, again, 106 players were drafted last year at the Senior Bowl. That was 40% of the NFL draft. So it's a huge opportunity uh, display for uh, guys to make a difference. I want to say five or six first-rounders were in last year's Senior Bowl, but obviously rounds two through seven was absolutely filled with guys who were playing 
in this game. Hackers coming up next. Folks, have a great weekend. Make it a safe one. Do want to thank Chad Brown uh, for joining us and remind you that I no longer check the text line now that the show is over. Text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. If you want to get a hold of me, please do so on Twitter. That is Blue1010XL. For JJ, I am Rick Blue. Have a great weekend. We will talk Monday at 6 o'clock.